Life Audio. He said, what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except, what? Through me. And it says his body was broken so that we can have access to God through him. So the cross is the place where Jesus's body was broken and entry was made. There was an entry point made for us so that through the cross, through the sacrifice of Jesus, through what Jesus did for us that no one else can do, we have access to the Father. We enter in to a new system. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I'm your host, Nicole Eunice, and I'm really glad to be here with you. I had a great weekend of ministry in Detroit, Michigan, outside of Detroit, at Ward Church. And one of the things that came out of that, it was so encouraging, but I got to hear from some of our friends here in this podcast community who find this weekly way of getting into the Bible so helpful for their faith and their life. And man, I was so encouraged to hear that. It let me put a few faces to who you guys are out there. And that fills me with joy. So I'm so glad that we get to do this together. And I've really enjoyed kicking off the year here in this series called Secrets of a Good Life. We're really talking about what is it that we are offered when we are in Christ. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com. To join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What is the invitation that Jesus gives us as we walk with him? And we've talked about considering God and confessing and receiving and choosing joy and fighting fear. And today we're going to wrap up with what I would consider sort of the, the pro level of following Jesus, the, the highest call on our life in following Jesus, because it's the part of the call that involves everything about who we are. And in that way, it can feel foreign at first. It can feel difficult at first. It's a place where we continue to have to come to Christ over and over again to fully understand what it means to crucify self and to really live into it with joy. So 
this is our final secret to the good life is what it means to crucify the self. And when I even hear that phrase, you know, I try to think outside of just church world and the words that we use, things that maybe you've heard in sermons, you know, sometimes we can just accept things without really thinking about them. And when I think critically about this idea that appears again and again in the New Testament about crucifying self, it's an interesting invitation, isn't it? I mean, if you think about it, I I ask myself, well, why does? Why does following Christ have to seem so violent or so destructive to ourselves? Why does it have to be such a wholesale call that feels like a death? And how do we reconcile the idea that we've been made in the image of God and that God, God loves us with this sense that there's something in us or all of us that's just completely worthless and not worth saving and needs to be killed off? And I think we all have to engage that question if you want to really move into it and understand what it means to crucify self. So we're going to explore that together today. We're going to use the Alive Method, getting right back to that, asking four questions of Scripture. And we're going to look at just one verse today, um, and it's in Galatians six fourteen. And this verse has been a real life verse for me, I think, as I've entered into what does it mean to follow Jesus, especially even in the last few years, you know, I've been following Christ pretty consistently since about age 17. And of course, lots of off and ons on on peaks and valleys, of course, along the way, but really been endeavoring to, to be a person who's following Jesus for that long. And yet this verse itself has only become maybe more real to me in the last decade or so. So it's Galatians 6, 14. I'm going to read it to you and I'm going to encourage you if you are in a place where you want to open your Bible or get out your notes to go ahead and open to this verse might be one that you want to underline because we're going to really dig into some of the cross references in this verse as well. So great time to open your Bible and check it out. Galatians 6, chapter 6, verse 14. And Galatians is a letter that was written by Paul and he's writing to the early church. So that's a little bit of background before we get into it. And this is what Paul says. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I'm going to read that again. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So the first thing that we always do when we come to a passage is we ask the question, what does it say? What questions does this generate in me when I think about this? Because I think if you try to rephrase this statement, you're going to find, huh, like, wow, there's a lot of concepts here going on, right? Paul's talking about this idea of boasting in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Then he uses through as like the the connecting concept. Like, what does it mean to to boast through or to live through the cross of Jesus Christ? And then the next thought is like, the world has been crucified to me. What does it mean that the world is crucified and then that I'm crucified to the world? There's some sort of relationship going on there, right? And there's a lot of questions because these aren't words that we're commonly using. You know, we're not living in a world where we see crosses on the side of the road, where we see people crucified, where we engage with this kind of violent death. We're not living in an oppressive system of persecution, you know, at least in America, where Christians are dying for their faith. We're not seeing that every day, right? And so trying to engage fully with this analogy is difficult when we're in 2023. There's a pretty wide gap, right, between Paul's original audience 
and what they would have thought of this concept and our experience, right? Our experience in mainly the Western culture, which has been very, you know, at least on the surface, has tried to align with Christian values. I think we're moving away from that a little bit. But I would call it a surface alignment of Christian values, not this deeper alignment to the kind of level and depth and drama that Paul is bringing up, evoking through this analogy. So we're going to want to try to understand this analogy as best we can. And for me, um, sometimes when I'm in a passage and I'm like, huh, we're like, what is the connection here? I want to ask myself the question, you know, is there a train of thought or a point of teaching that I'm going to find repeated in scripture? So if I see a phrase, um, this happens all the time with Jesus's teachings, we're going to see here, we've got a lot of Paul's teachings in the New Testament. So if I see a phrase and I think, huh, like, I wonder if this is repeated. And that's exactly what happens here is that we're picking up on a point of teaching that Paul has repeated in multiple letters to multiple churches. And there, these, this thing exists somewhere else. And the only reason I know that is because when I go to my Bible, my study Bible, and I turn to Galatians 6, 14, there is notations within Galatians, within the verse that point me to other places in scripture. Now, I don't know where those places are going to go when I first engage, but part of the joy and the adventure of studying scripture is just following these trains of thoughts, like taking these rabbit trails and seeing if they lead anywhere. Sometimes, to be honest, cross-references don't really feel like they they closely connect. And sometimes, like I think you're going to find today, they open up and reveal a ton of stuff that can help us interpret the Bible rightly and really understand how to apply it to our life. So this train of thought, point of teaching, the cross-references that I have in my study Bible for Galatians 6.14 are 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2. So 1 Corinthians 2, 2, Philippians 3, and Romans 6, verse 6. So whenever I see those things, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to do a little flipping around in my Bible. I'm going to read the passage around that verse. I'm not just going to read the one verse, but I'm going to try to skim the passage around the verse and say to myself, okay, in light of what I just read, is there something here for me to learn that kind of helps me clarify my learning or some notes that I could take around the concepts in this verse? Okay, so that's what I did. When I put all these verses together, what do I learn? So 1 Corinthians 2, I pulled out a passage. Remember, this is Paul speaking again, and we just read from Galatians 6. Okay, this he's laying out this concept, this I would call it almost like a life purpose statement where he's like, I don't boast in anything but the cross of Jesus Christ to which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Like he's making this massive vision statement, purpose statement for his life. So let's read a little bit more about him. We're going to hear a little more about him in First Corinthians 2. So he's talking to this church now at Corinth and he says, hey, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters. This is First Corinthians 2 verse 1. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Did you see what happened here in this verse? Paul kind of sets up 
two different systems, right? He keeps on saying things like, hey, when I came to you, I didn't come with human wisdom. I came to you just proclaiming the testimony of God. I didn't come to you with strength, but I came to you with weakness. I didn't bring my message with like wise and persuasive words. I brought my message with the Spirit's power. And then in verse five, he says, all of this happened so that what? So that you wouldn't rest on human's wisdom, but on God's power. So he's setting up for us this idea that there's two systems at work in the world. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y, or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. There's this system by which we rely on human wisdom, this system on which we rely on strength, this system on which we rely on the ability to be persuasive or charismatic. And then there's this whole other system, right, that goes on God's power. Go to Philippians 3 and see what he says here. Again, you got to read a little bit of context. And in this context, we see Paul is basically defending the argument that when you come to faith in Christian faith, when you come to Jesus Christ, you do not need to be circumcised circumcision was a right of the Jewish faith, okay? And there were people out there who were saying, if you come to Christ, you have to be circumcised in order to be a Christian. And he's sort of refuting that argument. This is what he says in Philippians 3, verse 3. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone thinks that they should have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Okay, so Paul is laying out this argument for why, according to the system of the world, He should be the most confident of all. And all these things that he names, if you follow the train of thought and all the cross references, you're going to find all these places in the Old Testament that help you understand how he's basically saying, according to the religious order, according to the world, I have everything. Like, 
I'm the best of the best. I'm at the top of the heap when it comes to the things that you would have in this world. If we were going to translate this into American language, we might say something like, hey, I was raised by the right family and my family is in the right family. I'm in the majority. Not only that, but I was educated at an Ivy League. Not only that, but I followed through and I was super successful. Everything that we would sort of we'd be like, and I'm attractive, you know, everything that Americans and I'm wealthy, everything Americans hold as most valuable, the things that Americans say, this is what should make you confident. Paul's argument right now that he's making to the first century Jewish people is according to our system of the world, I should have the most confidence of everyone. Okay, so that's what he's saying. And then he goes on in verse seven and says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So here we go again. In this passage, Paul is setting up a system of the world and a system of the spirit. And he's actually now telling us, hey, in the system of the world, I was a somebody, like according to the world, I was a somebody. But now that I have this other thing, now that I have Christ, all the rest of it is garbage. All the rest of it is trash. It's not even worth anything compared to what I have now. So now he's revealing not only are there two systems in the world, but that he has operated in both systems and he has found the surpassing joy and power of the system of Christ so good and so glorious that everything else that he used to have is a loss. He doesn't need any of it. Okay, so Romans 6, last passage. Romans 6, verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. So now we're getting into this crucified language. For we know the old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, so that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Here is the treasure of our rabbit trails of Bible verses. The treasure is Paul is revealing the reason that crucifying the self is so incredibly important is because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. When we die to the way of the world, we are actually no longer slaves to the things the world demands. We don't have to live by the world system that says you have to do this and be this and earn this and prove this. But we enter into a completely different system, a system that we enter into through the Christ, the cross of Jesus Christ. How do we enter into the system through the cross of Jesus Christ? Well, this is what Jesus actually instituted in the sacrament of communion. He said what? I am the way, the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the father except what? Through me. And it says his body was broken so that we could have access to God through him. So the cross is the place where Jesus's body was broken and entry was made. There was an entry point made for us so that through the cross, through the sacrifice of Jesus, through what Jesus did for us that no one else can do, we have access to the Father. We enter in to a new system. But there's something required of us. We don't just enter in through the cross of Christ without a cost on us. 
And the cost on it, on us is that we crucify the self. The self must be left behind to enter in fully into the new system. The new system means that we no longer conform to the pattern of this world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's Romans 12, verse 2. That is our application today. Why does it matter? Why is the secret of the good life that you crucify self? Because to crucify self is to let go of an entire system of action and of being and of feeling and to enter into an entirely different system. And that entirely different system, as Paul says, is so good and so glorious and so freeing and so powerful that you'll look back on your old way of living and you'll think to yourself, I can't believe I used to operate that way. Like in bondage, in bondage to what people thought of me, in bondage to achievement, in bondage to what the world said made me okay, in bondage to unforgiveness or bitterness or anger. That's what we crucify when we crucify the self. We crucify the old system. It doesn't mean the good thing that God made you to be, that the image of God that you were made in goes away. It means the system of self that determines what makes things good and determines who's good and who's in and who's out. We sacrifice that system. And when we crucify that system, we realize that there's nothing but freedom on the other side. This is not a one and done experience. This is not something that we realize one day and never think about again. This is a daily choice that we make, that we say, I want to be transformed through the renewing of my mind so that I'm not conforming to this system, but I'm entering in to the grace, the goodness, the provision of our God. Doesn't that sound so good, guys? Doesn't it sound almost too good to be true? I am here, though, as a witness that it is not too good to be true. It is so good that it's true. Go in peace, everyone. Talk with you next week. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, Here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.